Hey, what's up Filipino MomCast listeners? Thank you so much for being here. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. I'm Linda Gongi, one of your co-hosts here on the Filipino MomCast. Now, before we get into all the usual intro formalities, Marianne, Rowan, and myself have decided to preface this particular episode with a cautionary content warning for our listeners. We will be talking about how we are navigating anti-Asian hate with our children, and in doing so, we will also be sharing the conversation we had after the fatal incidents that unfolded at the beginning of this year on March 16, 2021, in the Atlanta area of Georgia at three Asian-owned massage parlors. It's important for us to give this conversation room to be shared, but we also understand that many of the incidents that have been happening within our community and the energy around anti-Asian hate that we share individually and collectively is full of big emotions. So with that being said, we ask that you as a listener check in with yourself and your current emotional and mental capacity before consuming the contents of this episode. You know yourself better than anyone, and we want to encourage you to exercise discernment. Whatever you decide is up to you, and in either case, please know we fully support and honor whatever you feel is true for you. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for choosing you. And so for those of you joining us for the first time, the Filipino MomCast is our small space in the podcast world that bravely opens up conversations just like these around Filipino culture and generational narratives. The three of us each live here in America in three completely different states with completely different upbringings and experiences. And we've come together to share unapologetically our experiences of how we're deconstructing and navigating this challenging journey called life. So from parenting to everything in and around what you talk about with a group of close friends, we talk about here on the show to help other Filipinos and Filipino moms just like us. So as always, we want to thank you for being a loyal listener and supporter of this show. There are three ways to show your support. One is by sharing the podcast with other Filipino moms or anyone. Two, post about the podcast through social media and tag us at Filipino Momcast. Four, three, leave us an honest five star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on your validation means the world but more important than that it really allows us to reach one more sibling that doesn't need to feel alone in the journey simply by your sharing and also don't forget if you need to get a hold of us you'll find our contact information in the podcast description you can also connect with us through voice message and if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to the podcast and keep your notifications on for upcoming episodes thank you for sharing the load with us as always we acknowledge the work you're doing to flip the script for the benefit of you your family our community and we are incredibly blessed to do this alongside you here we go with season two episode four i'm curious sounds like there were a lot of people interested with the anti-asian hate and, and so more from the standpoint of, of course, we're all different, like as parents, right? How do we help our children navigate the world or teach them about inclusivity? That, that's a topic. I would say that's significantly more pertinent to right now. Yeah, I think that would be great. I am personally still like navigating my feelings and just trying to understand myself. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's just, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It is hard, yeah. 
Same. Yeah. And the trial started today. So it's like everything is just like it's resetting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, kind of like where all of this started. I'm, I will be honest and I'll just be, you know, like I'm, I am in all types of emotions, obviously, just because of like real life stuff. And then when the, sh- when that shooting happened, I was like, what is happening? Then and that's literally what I thought, like, what is happening? Like, why, like, why, like, why, why would you think that you have the, you have the permission to do something like that? Like, that's not even okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been trying to listen to other podcasts who are Asian American and listening to them. And they all kind of sound similar, you know, like, why would you do one? Why would you do that? Two, it's not surprising. And then three, as Asian Americans, how, I don't know, like, I have such large feelings. I think it's just that model minority mentality. And just if I behave, right, and I do what I'm told, and I'm, I I do all that stuff, maybe we will be accepted, because we do not look like everybody else. You know, Asians do stick out, especially if you're in a predominantly white community or a community that's not predominantly look, that looks like you, but it's just really hard. I, I don't know what it looks like comparative to when I lived in the Bay. When I lived in the Bay, I would say I would feel differently. But then here living in a suburban, very, very white town, I will say I am kind of scared to be brown and go to Costco. I am scared. I am very nervous to go to the store. I try not to bring the kids if I don't have to, you know, stuff like that. Like we're, we're a Republican state. So a lot of things are open. Hi, we don't have a mask mandate anymore. Mm-hmm. Very weird because stores are still wearing this. A lot of stores still want to enforce masks, which rightfully so, right? Because they have to be there every day. Still really trying to process And I think that really, for me personally, I think that that really is just the, that model mentality of just, okay, like if I do what I'm told, everything will be fine. And I don't know, that's, that's how I feel. I'm so like, like I said, I'm really still trying to process it and understand why people feel as if they have permission to like, well, I had a bad day and I whatever. So I decided I'm going to go hurt other people. But those other people did nothing to you. Like there's, it just feels like no accountability. That's the, that's how I've talked about it with my kids. Like, cause they've asked, right. Cause I have big kids and I'm just like, you know, they don't have permission to do any of those things. And because I have girls, one of the things we talk about often is they can wear whatever they want because our kids wear what they wear is not a reflection of whatever stereotype, right? And just because that person feels as if they have the liberty to tell you that you're a slut, you're a whatever, it doesn't mean it's true. Just because they feel as if they want to make advances to you doesn't mean that it's still okay, you know, and you can say no. And they have to be accountable for their actions, not you suppressing who you are to make them feel comfortable. I will say that that is absolutely opposite of what I was taught. But, you know, like, I think one of the things that 
people don't talk about often is just that accountability. Accountability to me is like a big thing. And it's something that we talk about often in our family. It's a big word we talk about often. And I think that people, especially men, especially white men, need to have accountability for how they view Asians in their minds, whether it is societally, like, quote, unquote, brainwashed into them or not. But I don't know. I just think that whatever his, whatever the shooter's excuses is, to me, is BS. Because it's not okay. And like all the other Asian elders that have been attacked for no reason at all. Like, what are you doing? That, that, that's all I, like, that's all I, I constantly say. Like, what are you doing? Like, if you know anything about the Asian community, you know that we just keep to ourselves. And we don't try to make trouble like the fact that people are marching and they're asian i think it's a big deal like we we went to a march slash vigil on saturday and there were at least 200 people there and remember i live in like white people land i live in the east you know the east valley of suburban phoenix and hundreds of people and lots of big emotions people crying we had a couple altars going for people who have passed because of asia the recent violence and it was heavy it felt really it was so heavy for me when that happened it was a tuesday evening i believe is what it was and i remember seeing it on the news and I was thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? And I saw that it was breaking news. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this literally just happened. And my husband likes to send me all updates (laughs) on all of this stuff. Triggering? Like he's, he's very informed. I know like he needs to have some space too, you know, which is something that I told him because I'm like, you need to honor your own boundaries when it comes to this stuff. You know, so anyways, like he's been like sending me other stuff because I didn't see the interview with the cop when he did the the press conference or whatever that was. But when I saw the news come in, I saw that it was a massage parlor and I automatically thought that this could be racially motivated because I saw massage parlor. And if that means anything... That just shows how systematic we already view massage parlors. Like that's where my mind went already. Because even for me, that's part of what I've learned from things around me. And then immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder how many of these victims are Asian, you know? And then when they started to release the numbers, because I think I tuned in when it was like four. And like you were saying, Marianne, it was like, why? I'm just so confused. I don't understand how to do that with my anger. Or I don't, I just, I don't know how to use my anger in that way. Or some things that I completely disagree with or something. I just don't, I don't know how to do that. It confuses me. Like, what does that feel like? You know, like I want to be able to understand it, not encourage it, but I want to be able to understand how other people process things because like what we were talking about a while ago, it's just like, you know, being informed, you know, and understanding that. And when I learned they were Asian, majority of the victims were Asian, like you were saying, part of me wasn't surprised. I think in that moment, I was just like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going, <laughs> what the heck is going on? 
going on, I think then everything kind of just fell. Like I felt the weight of everything that's just been happening in the past year. And then now on top of this, I was like, oh my gosh. And it took a while for me to feel the fear around my own safety. It took me a little bit. And it wasn't until Chris started having a discussion with the boys that I felt I just had like this fear overcame me, you know, because I think for me, a lot of the times I'm so much inside my head that I see things a certain way that I miss what could be seen on the outside for certain things. But whenever my husband does that, like it hits me in, you know, really in a, in a different way, because it's not just having these conversations because I'm Asian and because I am a female, but our whole family is, we're targets and it just, it sucks. It sucks so much. And then the next day he sent me the video of the cop doing the conference and I have never felt so much rage for a long time. I was so angry. I was so mad, like rage. I couldn't understand it. And even Chris, he was really pissed. And we've had to carry that. Like that's something we carry now. We live in a very white dominated community, even though our particular city is probably one of the most diverse in the entire state, maybe like next to Portland. But, you know, I don't have any Asian friends here you know, that I can partner up with and be like, Hey, how do you feel about this? You know, like for support. And so because I had a leader meeting Thursday, so that's basically 48 hours after everything's happened. And I told them, I said, you know, I am not in a good headspace right now because of everything that's going on. I'm not going to be able to make the meeting. I mean, I didn't have expectations as to, I guess, the comfort or the support that I would receive. And at the same time, I felt like I couldn't be met by anybody that knew me here. And that felt really lonely because, I mean, I appreciate like the empathy, but it's not the same and it's hard. And I I don't even know, I didn't go out at all that first week. Chris wouldn't let me. Wednesday, which is the day right after everything happened, that's when I usually do my groceries. And he's like, I don't think you should go do groceries today and I was like okay well I won't you know and because I don't want him stressing out I don't want him being worried and we ended up doing everything together I mean I'm allowed to go out now by myself I don't even really know how to navigate this you know I think the difficult thing is the conversations that we have to have with our kids Like it breaks my heart that that's a conversation that needs to be had in the first place and being able to speak up for ourselves during a climate where there's just so much going on. You know, I don't know what our job is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm still trying to figure out, like, I'm not in that space where I was like the first week, but I'm still very anxious. Like when, when I go out, you know, like, and Chris will usually... Like I'll ask one of the boys to come with me just so I have one person with me, usually Kaysen, he's the one that doesn't mind actually coming. This is all like, it's just, it's also new, but it's also, I think it's just, it's just hard. Like there are no words to describe for me anyways, like what that feels like. 
you know, and I don't know why, like why I feel like someone, I don't know, like, I don't know why someone needs to like feel like I don't want anybody to feel this, but I think because part of me wants to feel heard, you know, wants to feel seen that this is a big deal. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I could resonate. I resonate with you because it's just, you know, we've talked about it before that we both live in predominantly white areas now, and it is significantly different than how it was in the Bay. Right. And so it's just, it's hard to not have somebody that looks like you within the same vicinity as you to talk about like what's happening, which is why I really do appreciate finding the or them. I don't know how we found each other, but the Arizona Asian Chamber of Commerce, because of them, that's the only reason why I found more Asians in the area. You know, I started to really participate in in you know some activities when I can and I mean even like Saturday's March and vigil like vigil was just it was just so nice to see people who look like me and I will tell you it wasn't just people who looked like me it was very diverse like we had a native person come and bring his solidarity and he played you know some native music and that was beautiful we've we had some other just you know marginalized groups coming and just talking about you know like hey like we see you and we hear you and and you know we're 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 in this together and it was it was nice to see that I will tell you that Chris came with us Mm -hmm. you know my husband he doesn't like going to Mm -hmm. things like that no he doesn't like going Mm -hmm. nope Mm -mm. the only thing he asked was right he said is it in a public area I said yes so it's not on private property not really it's in a parking lot he goes okay and so Chris stood behind us there was also police presence there, but, you know, Chris stood behind us and he just watched. And I mean, he would clap when clapping needed to happen. But I know that he was specifically there to be my like security because I would have just brought the girls by myself and I wouldn't have brought Lucas, but I would have brought the girls and, you know, we would be there listening and he knows me. I don't really pay attention <laughs> to anything. So, but, you know, like he knew how important it was for me to go. And I just... I was like, I told him, I, said, I just want to support the community because I really feel like we need to. And I was like, this is not about like BLM. Like, this is literally us. And he's just like, okay, you know. So I don't know. Find an Asian Chamber of Commerce in your area. I don't, an, an Asian organization. Because that's the only, that's the only way I was able to find anybody Asian. Like where I am. And I, I, that would be my only other like advice for you. Besides that, I have no idea. I don't know what to do. I don't, I am hurt, but I don't know how to process that hurt. And I think it's just the only thing that comes up for me is just the fact that we've been taught to be docile and just to take it as it is and to put our heads down and to work hard. And we were taught to believe that everything would be fine and people will accept us when in fact that's not true. And because of the hateful rhetoric that's been happening for X amount of years, I think that's also, you know, in up had the uptick of people having just all this rage against a particular group. I don't know. I just I I don't understand it. Like, I feel for me that I could really see and empathize with other people's point of views, even if it even even if we don't share the same opinion or whatnot. And I just, I can't, like, I, I don't get it. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot of things in this past year that I don't, and I wish I could, because then I know that that would uh, like alleviate, you know, like heavy burden that I feel, or maybe that's the oppression, right? We were supposed to go to our rally on Friday, but then I had one of the kids got sick. And so we ended up not being able to go, but it was one of the biggest ones in Portland, So we actually would have been in Portland. And what was surprising is that Chris was the one who found it. My husband found the rally and he shared it with me. And he said, do you want to go? And I was like, I think we need to. But then things happen. You know, you have kids that get sick and all of that stuff. And it was so funny because like one of my other kids was like, well, we could all go and we could just leave him at home. And you're like, uh, I'm like, that just sounds, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, but I'm I'm sure there's going to, I'm sure there's going to be more. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, but I mean, it is important for us, you know, and I was having discussions with the kids that, you know, as to why it's important for us to show up and to be, to be a body out there. It's just, it's tough. Rowan, can you can you share your expertise as our uh, <laughs> resident therapist, please? I have no expertise. So you guys have. Uh... <laughs> What's blocking this? This <laughs> what? Uh, what techniques do we need to, get to like feel relief? <laughs> yeah, you guys seem to be the expert. Actually, um, sharing the same space with you both that I'm also trying to navigate that space. I'm more of a listener, really, and it takes me a while to like, oh, okay, you know, I guess this is how we can move forward. But I'm not there. I, I don't know the answer. It. I want to say it makes me f- deeply sad to hear you both and, you know, like just Asian American women. That kind of like just really deeply saddens me. I then think about automatically, I think, how do I teach my own children? Because I can only control my space. And and, and really what I came up with is is really to make, you know, when you're on a detox, it's like, you know, it's kind of like repulsive. Like, so I think when we're talking about having conversations with our children, it seems like it's a detox. Like it's something, such a big conversation. I believe in Millie conversations so that rather than a detox diet, it's like just a, a lifestyle of eating healthy nutrition, making it part of your family nutrition to talk about histories of even racism. Now, I do have an advantage. I'm in the Bay Area. Bay Area, it's uh, we're pretty diverse. But then again, doesn't mean it's diverse. It's inclusive. They also say that in studies, right? In fact, there is, uh, I came across it from listening from NPR somewhere, a study on where, in fact, when it's more diverse, there are a lot more conflicts that can arise, especially in the beginning, which when I heard about it, it sort of like makes sense, right? So mixing a lot of people from, I mean, culture is not just ethnic background, but just subcultures. So I don't have the answers. I'm just really wondering what I can do in my own space, with my own children, in my own home. I I really believe in parenting as a form of activism and that it's the best role, parents. You know, it's like whether you're working, you're stay-at-home mom, whatever you're doing, that role, that's the actual, the bold CEO role. In fact, parenting is like you're shaping people's minds. And I hope that we are even more intentional 
in our own spaces to teach our children. But yeah, ditto to both of you. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that reminder, though, Rowan, because you're right. It all starts at home. Mm-hmm. It all starts with all of those types of conversations. There's yeah. a quote. I think it's Mother Teresa. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Yes, that's what I was thinking yeah. about. Yes. Yeah, that's it's a it's a Mother Teresa quote. That's like what Rowan was saying. That is what we have control of. You know, like when we learn something, they are the immediate receivers of these new things, you know, that we learn. And, you know, if it's enough to resonate with us and change our hearts, then it's definitely going to trickle into their hearts. For me, I feel like it might not happen right away. Like I have kids who they understand it, but they're not into the whole activism thing, right? Which is okay. I've had to learn that that is okay. You know, part of me has that fear that I go into freak out mode, right? And like, I'm seeing this in my head because I'm freaking out because my mind has already fast forward to the future that they don't feel like how I feel. And so like, I've had to, you know, just like ask some questions to understand, but it's okay for not for them to not exactly like have the activism. That's not to say that they don't stand for what the activism is for. There are some people who are like hardcore activists that that is all that they do. And there's so many different capacities as to how we share that same message. And so that's what I think about with the boys when they, because my thinking is like activism, oh my gosh, like out in the marches and the rallies and, you know, all of that stuff. But then after having, you know, just some dialogue with them, I realized it's not that they don't understand or that they don't care or that this is not important to them. Their mind isn't aged like mine is. They're young teenagers. And so they're just thinking, nah, that's not, that's just not my deal. But they understand what they need to do in response to being in situations of how to handle them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to just say something. You reminded me, Lynn. And so, so ditto with children, but also I think it's really important that we do not corner people for a particular any I do not like any type of boxing of a type of activism it puts people in the corner that if you don't do certain things therefore you are this way right that in itself is creating a cycle of uh, stereotyping you put people in the corner so be very mindful and and allow people to express you know so there are different forms of activism like you were saying yeah. so thank you for pointing that out I just wanted to do a little bit well, I'm learning too, you know, and I would say that like my, uh, like the old me, you know, who's very anxious, not that I'm not anxious anymore, but the anxious part of me is very vocal. And so I am having to unlearn that part of me that when I feel that I have something to say and to be able, like, if I am going to say something to allow space for others to exist. And it took a while for me to you know, like, you know, it didn't take a while, but it was something like I had to think about. It's not something that just came to my head that, oh, okay. Like I, I get where you're coming from because immediately I, I kind of freaked out when one of my kids was like, yeah, I don't I like, it's, it's just not my thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. But that, because that was my initial reaction in my head. 
Like I didn't say that I didn't need to have the conversation, but I did because I kind of needed the validation (laughs) to just know that to just know, you know, to put my anxiety at ease. But it was also like a good conversation for us to dialogue about it. And like, that's how I was able to understand that their activism is going to look different and that that's okay. And I'm glad that I was able to see that because the old me wouldn't have seen that. Yeah. Well, and and what you also did was you, you gave them space to say what they're most comfortable with and how they feel that they can change the world in their own way. I mean, when we would do the BLM protests, not all the kids would come. It would only be a couple you know maybe one maybe two but you know this one like they all wanted to come like they were very open to it and I was like oh okay yeah and I think also even one of the things that kids would do also I mean obviously not everybody's back in person but I would say even standing up for somebody at school I like what you said like I don't really feel like it's just like that one box like okay you have to march this day every day whatever blah 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 or else it doesn't matter but I also think like standing up for that friend who was called oh what a derogatory term or you know like telling an adult or whatever I think like that is just as important because I think even when our kids are able to just stand up for what they believe in I think that that's even big especially because you know like we have bigger kids and they will hear gosh so many not nice things and it's just it's heartbreaking to know that there are families who are teaching their kids all of this stuff whether they know that it's bad or not but just the fact that that kind of language is allowed in somebody's home like break for me breaks my heart and that's why I always just tell the kids like just so you know not every family is like ours and just so you know like when you talk to somebody else they may not respond to you in the in the same way that you respond to them or whatever and it's just I mean I think that that that's the most tangible thing we can do is to teach our kids and just to allow them to tell us how they would, I don't know, help or how they could put a spotlight on this. I just try to give them space to do what they feel like would matter to them. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's what I did. Like I checked in with the boys too, because, you know, they see us watching it and we watch documentaries. And especially lately, we've been just, I don't want to say like staying in the know, but we are consuming content around that particular subject. And I mean, I think even in that, they'll also see how important it is to us and how we're responding when it comes to these sort of things. And it's not all on what am I saying to my kids? You know, like it's been going on for a long time, but the active presence of it has significantly been in our face more recently. And they see that they see what's important to their parents, how you are, and they're paying attention, even if they can't articulate it, even if they don't know what the feelings are, they see it. And that's even something like I tell the kids, I say, you know, I'm not perfect. And I told them, I said, you know, I want you guys to understand that even with my good intentions as a parent, I want you to still find what's true for you. Because I might say something that is true for me, but it isn't true for you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Filipino MomCast. Don't forget to subscribe and to share this podcast with others, whether it's through social media, a text, or a quick shh. Hey, have you listened to these ladies? 
It's a small step in getting the conversation started and rippling that change into existence, which you play a huge part of. Thanks so much. We'll catch you on the next episode.